Well, howdy, hello there, dead and lovely listeners, and welcome to the brand newest installment of your absolute favorite horror movie review podcast in this multiverse and beyond the further. Why? <gasps> it's dead and lovely here with the host with the most. It's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, your further buddy, Hollywood Steve. Let me in your body. <laughs> oh, okay. A little twist there at the end. It got kind of sexy. I like that. Ooh, yeah, sexy. That's it. I'm trying yeah. to have sex with you, not steal your body. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is fun. This is a good time. Just go with it. Just do <laughs> Just something new, you know? Let me in your body. I don't know. <laughs> Let me in your body. <laughs> what if that was a line in this movie? Yeah. What Let if me in your body, kid. Lipstick demon had that voice. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. Let me in your body. <laughs> hey, come on, kid. Come on. What are you doing with it? Let me use it. I'm a ghost from Queens. The traffic was crazy getting out of the city. I got to get in your body. I had to take a taxi to LaGuardia. <laughs> what? <laughs> and we're here today to be doing a good old chin wag and diving deep into Insidious from 2010. If this is your first time listening to the show and you just want to get right to the movie review, there is a timestamp in the podcast description just, just for you to tell you. a little bit. When right we there. cut the bullshit and just start getting to the movie and stuff, but mm-hmm. Steve, I don't want to cut the bullshit. I want to no. make the bullshit. You got to make, make the, the bullshit. bullshit. Pushing that bullshit out. Mm-hmm. That's right, because I want to catch up with you and hear about what you've been up yeah. to this week. What have you been doing? What have I been up to? Well, Ben... Paint Hike 2. Uh-huh. Paint Hike 2? Electric yep. Boogaloo? Electric Boogaloo. The Boogaloo. <laughs> uh-huh. Paint Hike 2, Electric Boogaloo. I went back to Big Ridge State Park for a hike, um, and I didn't go to the ghost house this time, not because I was like, oh, I'm afraid of the ghost house, because there are two other cemeteries in this state park. Oh, snap, so dude. I went to one of the other ones. Do they have like a big sign out front that says, we've got that big ridge ghost energy? Yeah, it does. <laughs> have, like, seriously, because uh, I, I, I started out on this one trail that I guess nobody goes on because every 20 feet there was a gigantic spider web. It Ooh. was insane. Uh, and, and then uh, I, you know, went along this lake where there were no kids playing so i didn't hear any kids laughing or crying this week crazy okay all right kid yeah. free zone i like that uh-huh so i went a- along the the lake to this this little cemetery that so the first one i went to was like a normal sort of just a, a clearing and the rows of of uh tombstones cemetery you know what i'm talking about yeah, just plain Jane, regular old symmetry. Right. This one was a uh, 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 mountain folk cemetery that Ooh. was just all willy-nilly in a, a crazy design with various walking paths and vines planted over every single grave. Okay, this is pretty cool. This is giving me like pumpkin head vibes. Yes, it was crazy. It was up on this like slight little hill, and yeah, it was it was very pumpkin heady, I would say. And I couldn't even get to a lot of the tombstones to read them because they were covered so much in this vine, which apparently was something that uh, native tribes in the area used to do, and I guess these people adopted it. 
So cool. uh, It's a real interesting cemetery. Didn't hear any children crying, though. All right, all right. Unfortunately, no ghost friends this time. But I'm I'm looking for them, guys. I'm trying to find them. You gotta find them. You want to believe the truth is out there. Yeah. So the next time I go, I'm going to go to the uh, the other cemetery and to the rock where a man was found scalped in the 18th century. So. Maybe I'll see a ghost. Who knows? Damn. Maybe it's just the ghost of just the scalp, though. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> just like a floating bit of hair. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a fucking <laughs> little flying carpet just riding around on the ether. Yeah. And it's like, where is my head? <laughs> it's kind of like the, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow in reverse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Way less cool. Yeah, it makes it way less cool. Well, that's pretty scary, but I don't know if it's any scarier than some of the movies I've watched this week, Steve. You've been watching movies? What I've been watching a couple of movies this week. We watched a little movie from here recently. It just came out about a minute ago. What's named Swaller. That's Swallow for you city boys, but we're country Swallow. strong, so we call okay, it Swaller. Swaller. Uh-huh. Uh, it's one that Kate found. I think that Central Cinema here in Knoxville was showing it, and we didn't catch it then, but she saw the trailer whenever they were hosting it. And uh, she showed me the trailer, and I was like, yeah, we got to watch this. It is real fucking strange, man. Okay. It's really weird. I don't know if it's necessarily horror, but it's one of those that definitely has very horrific elements to it and left me scrunched up in a ball many times. Yeah, yeah. Check out the trailer. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful movie. And it's pretty much about this uh, this newlywed couple that's living in the modern age, but they have like a very 1950s Lucy Desi kind of like look about them. Like a lot of their home and stuff is styled very 1950s, 1960s, kind of postmodern sort of style. And, you know, basically like her husband and her husband's family like control every element of her life. She's just kind of a kept woman housewife and she finds solace and interest in swallowing non-food objects like marbles and stuff like mm. that. She got the the pica, I believe it's called. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard of this. I, I choose you, pica chew. Uh, only she just <laughs> swallows, she doesn't chew. <laughs> Oh, what? oh, it's a knee slapper. It's a real knee slapper. Oh man, old and things kind of things kind of spiral out of hand really, really fast. I think I think really at the end of the day, it's very much about woman's body autonomy. Autonomy, yeah. autonomy. What's the word I'm saying? That's autonomy. exactly what I said, yep. Steve. Is there, is there okay. an echo in here? Echo. <laughs> autonomy. Exactly. That's right. That's what I said. <laughs> Uh, it's really, really cool, man. Definitely worth checking out. And like I said, made me feel real squeamish at okay. times. All right. I have to watch that swaller. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Also, last night for Monday, our uh, documentary Monday tradition that we take part in, we watched uh, that thing that's been making a lot of waves on the social media lately, what's called The Social Dilemma. The Social Dilemma. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've heard of this. It's got a lot of people uh, uh, getting off of the Facebooks. It's got a lot of people getting off of the Facebooks. And yeah, it's kind of like a documentary, but it has little, has like a little storyline reenactment kind of bit in there too, featuring like the boyfriend kid from Santa Clarita Diet and a couple other people that you'd recognize from Netflix shows and stuff. And it's essentially about how 
you know, our social media apps and our phones and all this stuff are specifically designed to keep us addicted to them and keep that dopamine drip, you know, always kind of going there because the more time we stare at a screen, the more time somebody else is making money off of your off of your data. Kind of going back to what I said about the great hack whenever we watched that a couple weeks ago where it's just like our, our data is worth fucking almost as much as gold. and <laughs> We just give it away and people are making money off of it. It's uh, it's very, very scary. We watched it last night, and it was a lot of stuff that we, uh, Kate already knew all this stuff, but you know, a lot of it was, um, a lot of it was was familiar information to me, but just kind of you know, stated from the mouths of the people that helped design these programs and stuff, because they have interviews with people that used to work for Facebook and Twitter and all these other companies talk about it about the ethics of what they put in place, you know, and man, it's. It's one of those things that really does get the gears turning in your noggin when, you know, you, you think about it and it's like a lot of us, especially us boys from the country, from the country, country uh-huh. uh, that are country strong. I mean, really, it was just a few generations ago that our people were like literally living off the grid, like in the hills, in a shack, no human contact, no yeah. no city, much less a village or a tribe. Like a few yeah. generations ago, they didn't get that much human attention. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I spend a, a, a good bit of time, uh, both times I've gone to Big Ridge thinking about that because Big Ridge State Park is like people lived there and there yeah. used to be an entire town that is now underwater there. Like, Mm -hmm. but like they, they were out in the middle of nowhere. They were out like uh, when I'm hiking those, I'm like, I'm thinking about these people out here every day, hiking these huge ridges day in and day out. And like probably just never seeing anybody, but their family most of the time, unless they went to a church on Sunday. Yeah. For real, man. And then here we are just a few generations removed from that. And we can interact with like literally billions of people on the internet and try to seek Mm -hmm. their attention and approval and shit like that. Like our brains are really not ready for social interaction on this big of a scale. I think that we really all need to rethink the way that we use social media and Facebook and stuff like that. Honestly, like using it to keep up with your friends that live all over the country. That's great. Using it to share, you know, photos of your activities and your family and stuff like that. So other family members and friends can keep up, keep up with you. That's cool. Using it as your news source? Fucking Ooh, dangerous. No, yeah. That's a bad, bad call. <laughs> yeah. Do not go to Facebook or any social media as no. your news source. Mm-mm. But that's the world we live in, and that's why yeah. so much shit has gone out of control, you know? So, yeah, it's made me really do some rethinking, man. I'm really trying to now actively cut back on just mindless scroll time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying that too. It's uh, it's tough. That the it hikes is. help because I, I don't have any um, any bars. Yeah, that that is a good like forcing myself to not do it. But like at home, it it is almost an automatic. Just like oh, nothing to do. Pull out the phone, just scroll through shit. Uh huh. For real, man. And dude, it's like I know that there's plenty of days where if I looked at my amount of screen time that I spent on my phone, it would outweigh like how much time I spent practicing guitar or doing something right. actually valuable. <laughs> something that would actually 
you know, accomplish something. Yeah. Yeah. Reading a book, doing fucking anything, you know, yeah. other than just scrolling. So I'm really trying to cut back and Social Dilemma really has helped me do that. I recommend it everybody watch it and the other thing that we watched the other day you know we've we've had a little bit of a chill in the air here in the east tennessee hills just a little little brisk at night Ooh, what's that there's something in the air that's just made me feeling a little Ooh, ooh, is it spooky i think it's feeling a little spooky Uh uh-huh it is so we had to kick the season off right and watch halloween oh yeah okay so how'd that go was it still halloween It was still exactly the way that I saw it the last time, which is to say Ah, a treasure to the human race. Still the fucking best. Love, 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 love that movie. Yeah. Now, at the end of that movie, he gets shot. How many times was that? I can't remember. They don't talk about it much. One, two. I think it's four. I think he shot him four times. times. Four times. Four times. Four Four times times I shot him. him Yeah, that's. I remember that. Sounds right. I mean, maybe a couple more. Maybe a couple more. Seven. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I'll have to go back and review uh, to get more info on that, I guess. (laughs) Had old Jamie Lee Curtis in there being all awesome. She's still in there? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. They kept her in for this time when (laughs) I watched it. They didn't cut her. They didn't cut her. They were like, you know what? I think after all this time, 40-odd years, I guess we'll just keep her in there. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I always say. That's what they say. You had yourself a little brush with old Jamie Lee Curtis here recently, didn't you? I sure did. On uh, the Friday night streaming chat, we watched uh, Prom Night. I have never watched that. Well, Ben, it's... There's two things here. It is uh, it's considered a classic because it's one of the early slashers following Halloween, of course, using Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm, to yep. sort of remind us, hey, remember that one? This one might be like that. Uh, <laughs> turns out it's not. It's not like that. It's not. Um, it's not very good. Aww. I I saw it as a kid. I remember not loving it. I have seen it now a few times as an adult, and each time I'm like, eh, it's boring. It's kind of a really boring movie, especially. After having seen so many 80s slashers that are whodunits. Yeah. It's just like, I don't want to. But I guess at the time, it was probably, you know, a a little more of a like, oh, cool. This is novel. This is interesting type of thing. But it's boring. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is if you could turn back time, share style. (laughs) Yeah. You'd go back to your younger self and you'd be like, whenever there's a thing called Bitcoin coming up, get as much of that as you can. Right. Go ahead. Buy all that you can. Don't even worry. Go into debt for it. Yeah. And then you'd also say, and you were right about prom night. Not that good. And he'd be like, yeah, I know. Right. When yeah. do I get the pubes? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Don't worry. They're coming. They're coming. <laughs> You're going to have so many pubes, kid. <laughs> when you were a kid and you had your Jersey accent, you remember those days? Yeah, I did. I had a Jersey accent. I would be like, I want to get a pizza pie. <laughs> no, wait, I was Italian too. I was a Jersey yeah, yeah, Italian. Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I what, forgot. That's what that I part. meant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I say pizza pie like that? That's not Jersey. Pizza pie. <laughs> I want to get a pizza pie. <laughs> Everyone oh, in Jersey talks shore. like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, Prom Night's one of those ones that I've put on a few times and within yeah. like 10 or 15 minutes been like, I think I'm not in the mood to watch this. So I've just never yeah. watched it all the way through. 
It's got it's got it's got the main dude Leslie Nielsen. That's always uh, interesting to see Leslie Nielsen in a, a dramatic role. Yeah, a non wackadoo role. Huh? Yeah, it's silly. It's weird to see as someone who like growing up only knew him as the Naked Gun, Dracula Dead and loving it. Like just the the silly spoof guy. Uh, to see him in serious roles was just weird. Yeah, it is. It's strange. Yeah. So yeah, that movie I don't I don't recommend. Though Prom Night Two was always uh, a favorite of mine as a kid, but uh, that had more to do with it having boobies in it. It's oh, not really yeah. a great movie. In fact, it's very strange. Hmm. Okay. All right. So you got more than one. You don't just have a boob in it. You got boobies, plural. <laughs> yes. If you. Yeah, we're not we're not talking faculty boob magazine here. <laughs> man i really liked uh, that movie i had boob in it just one yeah, or just the one but i have a mirror so it's fine <laughs> best boob i ever seen in a horror picture <laughs> um so, but i this week i also started watching uh disney plus show earth to ned earth to ned i know not of this earth to ned is um it's a Jim Hansen, Jim Hansen, uh, 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 talk show, uh, mm. hosted oh, okay. by puppets and, um, it, kids can watch it for sure. It is written by adults and definitely the humor will hit with adults, but kids could definitely watch it. It is, it's, it, it's really like, just reminds me of the Muppet shows and stuff as a kid. Um, okay that's cool yeah so i i really enjoy it the head writer is eliza skinner who is a comedian who i absolutely love who also her first album came out this most recent week or whenever this comes out like two weeks ago okay um, go check that out it's called the, the regarding my all my lovers or something like that it's very funny but Earth and Ed, hilarious. I really enjoyed it. Um, the first episode, they have uh, Andy Richter and Gillian Jacobs are the guests. And the the premise is that this guy, Ned, was sent by his dad to destroy Earth. But instead, he, he fell in love with Earth culture. And he wants to be this talk show host. And Whoa. so he... He spends a lot of the time, basically, it's it's kind of really meta because he spends a lot of the time interviewing people talking about being a talk show host. Hmm. It's it's fun. It's funny. It's uh, definitely, uh, if I haven't sold you on it, just turn on the first episode. I think it'll sell you on it pretty quick. It's very I'm funny. sold already. That sounds pretty interesting. I also watched a show starring John Hodgman as a cartoon Uh-oh. character named Johnny Hunchman, who looks exactly like John Hodgman, in a show awesome. called Dicktown. What? This yeah. all sounds totally up my alley. Dude, John Hodgman... <laughs> he's great. He's the best. That series of, of books that he did... Uh-huh. Yes, the areas of my expertise. And, my God. Those yeah. are one of my favorite things about being alive. Yeah. Like, that stuff, yeah. especially in like my mid-20s, that was like my Bible uh-huh. of anything <laughs> that was funny. It just came from those the- books. Just the list of hobo names. The list of hobo <laughs> names. Like 500 hobo names. What the and fuck? Our hobo president that we don't talk about. I can't remember what his name was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Dude, yeah, those books seriously are amazing. Yeah. Absolutely those amazing. Those books are great. areas of yeah. expertise. Get those if you haven't yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, but Dick Town is uh, basically the premise is he is a he was uh, like an encyclopedia encyclopedia Brown type of kid who solved other kids' mysteries, okay. and now he's grown up. And he lives on a houseboat, and he still solves mysteries for kids. That's awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> that sounds so weird. Yeah, and his his friend who drives him around because he doesn't drive, it was his bully in school. So it's it's a real interesting dynamic. Each episode is like ten to twelve minutes or whatever. So awesome. It, it's not too long, and I think there's like ten episodes. But I got through it pretty quick because it's it's really funny. What network's that on? They they showing that on oh, NBC man. or CBS? I don't Channel know. three? I was, I was watching it on the Hulu network. Um, That's Channel so, Five. I'll turn network. it over to Channel Five. Channel what time's five, it come on? What? <laughs> I got to put it in my in my schedule here in my TV yeah, guide. You got to get your TiVo ready. Uh huh. Let me know when it comes <laughs> on when they show that program. I like that TiVo is real outdated now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, I remember in, because uh, I, I think it's Patton Oswalt's first album, uh, Live, and Unca- I don't remember what it is. Anyway, uh, it was like 99 or 2000 when he recorded it, and I remember hearing it in like 2003, and he mentioned TiVo, and at the time, me being like, is that dated? Like, I think that's dated already. Oh, no. <laughs> Because, like, I was pretty sure on demand and stuff already existed by then. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I think like, so. Wow. You can't really make jokes about technology anymore. It moves too fast. It moves too fast. You can't make yeah. any jokes about missing your TiVo program because you were too busy listening to your, uh, what was that thing called? Zune. Your Zune. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to my Zune, playing some PS2, you know, uh-huh. just kicking it. Yeah, dude. Did you ever know anybody that had a Zune that was normal? Because I didn't. My wife had a Zune, and she's not normal. So I stand by it. I stand yeah. by it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. My wife Ain't none of us right. Ain't none they of us right. They did have the the Zune used like a higher quality of file, right? That's but right. It yeah, like, it was a higher bit rate. Y- human ears can't really hear a difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what was the point? What's yeah. the point anyway? Right? Yeah. So uh, this uh, guy, Ryan Kruger, he's a director. He uh, sent me a link to the trailer for his movie, and I watched it, and I thought it looked interesting, so I sent it to you. Mm -hmm. His movie is Fried Berry. I I don't know if it's out anywhere yet, uh, but this trailer just came out. I from the trailer I'm interested in seeing the movie but I don't know enough about the movie to recommend anyone rushing out and seeing it but go watch the trailer for it Fried Berry. It did look Berry. interesting for sure. Yeah. It looked like it had a lot of visual dazzle a la mm. like let's say Mandy. Yeah, yeah. I I thought yeah, I thought a little bit of Mandy in there but it also has like aliens involved it looked yeah. like so a little bit of fire in the sky in there mixed yeah. in and it also looked like almost some like Manchurian candidate type elements yeah, in there wild. too yeah yeah it looks so, very strange i i recommend checking out the trailer uh i i would like to see the movie it yeah uh, I, I did read reviews of it which uh were mostly positive so uh i'm interested yeah sure. definitely scope that trailer out on the youtube whenever you can now steve let me just ask you 
And yep. this is this might just be a me problem. This might be one of Go those ahead. things that really is only affecting me. And you're like, nah, I got nothing like that. My mm. face feels kind of mm-hmm. empty right now. Like I right. need to put something in my face. Yeah, yeah, I think I have that feeling too. That might just be the human condition, but I I believe we might be experiencing thirst. It might be thirst. I think that I could probably fill my face with a co beer. How about you? Oh yeah, yeah, I could definitely fill my face with a co beer. Mm, that's co. just a that's a classic face filler right there. <laughs> <laughs> what are you what drinking you on today, Steve? Oh, ooh, ooh, <laughs> uh-oh. you owe me a beer. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I'm drinking on this K2 Hot Honey Brown Ale. Hot Honey Brown? Hot Say Honey what? Brown Ale. It's an 8%er and it says the word Fuggles on it, which <laughs> okay. makes me happy. It also says aged six months. So oh, it's an old I'm boy. Excited. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is I, I bet by now it's probably more like aged 10 months because Jeff sent That's us these. That's true. Jeff sent New these York a while City. ago. <laughs> New York City. Actually, it's New York State, but he said this a while ago. <laughs> so that thing is definitely aged. It's a weathered beer. Now, it's a hot honey brown. Do you serve it hot? Do you have like a little stove I, eye in there, a little range you're heating it up I on during the show? It says here that it's slightly spiced with honey infused with ghost peppers. So I'm guessing Woo. the hot has to deal with the, the spiciness. You know, that's pretty and cool, too, because maybe that's a ghost pepper that exists in the further, and it's here to haunt your taste buds. That's probably what it is. I, you know, I bet it, it's been haunting me since childhood, and I pushed it away somehow, but don't worry. I'm going to finally confront it in the further. Well, this is the part of the of the episode, too, where you find out that you're like, oh, yes, I also drank co-beers when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> I remember now. I remember now my, my childhood alcoholism. <laughs> I'm also Dude, having myself. Yeah, I'm also having myself a K2 Bros Brewing. This is their Honey Oat Cream IPA, and I'm really curious about this because I think it might make me feel like a fancy horse getting a meal. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you do feel like a fan. You know what? I hope everybody out there feels like a fancy horse. I think that should be our end salutation. Is like, thanks for listening. We hope you feel like a fancy horse. We do. We do. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I mean, All it's right. confusing, but it also sounds like you're wishing someone well. You yeah, know? definitely. Like, no, no one thinks of a fancy horse and thinks, oh, that guy's life is rough. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I had that fancy horse life. Yeah. Dude, that's going to so, be the next Cardi B song. Got that fancy horse life. Got that fancy horse oh, life. Oh, you got, you got your Cardi B impression down. <laughs> Dude, it's like she's here in the room. Oh, she yeah. is here. I've summoned her. Yeah. Now, mine describes itself as this India Pale Ale was brewed mm-hmm. with our friends at No BS Brewing. Oh, it's a collaboration. We no worked together BS. to create a double IPA that is creamy with the slight sweetness of honey. It's got honey, honey. in there. Pony, mm-hmm. okay. Mm. But what they don't tell you is they actually brewed it with a bunch of mashed up copies of that Mariah Carey movie, Honey. Or was that just a <laughs> Alba? Which one is that? that I can't remember. Alba, right? Yeah, that's what I said. Same deal. Yeah, Mariah Carey was uh, Glitter. Glitter, uh, Glitter, yeah. Honey. I get mm-hmm. all these things mixed up. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Make the jokes <laughs> yourselves already. Jeez, it's a free <laughs> podcast. You don't like the punchline? Edit it yourself. Actually, yeah, that uh, go ahead and do that uh, and send it in. Let's see. Could you, 
Could you edit in a better punchline to Ben's joke there? <laughs> yeah, really, right? If you got it, I'd like to see it. Dude, this is an interesting beer. Ooh. Very interesting. Like, it's definitely got, you know, a, a nice double IPA, musky, yeah. hoppy backbone to it. But okay. there is also this sweetness from the honey. And I'm waiting to see if maybe I get some of that some of that oaty mouthfeel <laughs> later. Because sometimes he's like you know, oat-based stouts and stuff like that. They leave you with a really velvety, velvety mm-hmm. cushion on the tongue. Yeah. Now, this beer over here, Ben, is a very nice brown ale. Like, uh, got very brown aliness to it, but just that slight sweetness of honey. And just now, the ghost pepper is hitting. Ooh. And um, I don't know if it adds anything to the beer, but it's sure there. <laughs> <laughs> it's adding a little caliente to your boca. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I like spice no matter where it comes from. So I'm glad it's there. But this, I mean, this really does just taste like a nice brown ale with just a, a little tinge of honey to it. It's good. That's interesting. So it's kind of like you just drank a sip of a good, nice brown ale. And then like a second later, it's like, oh, My it was hot. Fire. It was hot too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's hot. I don't know if you like that or not, but that's I what mean, you're getting. Yeah, it's just got that good, like, cereal sweetness of uh, brown ale. But, yeah, then just all of a sudden, like, hey, guess what? Uh, we also put ghost pepper in there. Mm, Deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Steve, now that we're filling our faces, I feel like we're ready to move on here into the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. That's right, because here at the preview palace this time around, we're going to be addressing something that is a pet peeve of your old boy, Uncle Ben. I've ranted, yeah. I have raved, I have just caused a commotion over my <laughs> typical dislike of whenever horror movies, like Insidious, use yeah. some kind of old-timey song for right. maleficent purposes to make a scene seem more sinister by pairing the sweet innocence of a nice, lovely song with the darkness and bleakness of a horror movie. It rarely <laughs> works for me. <laughs> All right. Well, Winston I can Churchill sell it pretty is good. done with his speech. <laughs> yeah. This has been my TED Talk. <laughs> uh, ben, that's, that is referred to as soundtrack dissonance. Soundtrack dissonance. That, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a trope that uh, is used in horror pretty regularly, but in, in all genres. And Ben... I want to see if we can get down to the root and see if it really is that you don't like soundtrack dissonance Uh-oh. or if you don't like soundtrack dissonance in a movie you don't like. <laughs> there could be a correlation. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just start with uh, a very easy one. Okay. The Shining. The Shining. Midnight, okay. The Stars in You. Okay, so that's kind of got your like old-timey, it's an old Prohibition gin joint, nice little lovely jazz mm-hmm. song feel. That movie, it does totally work for because it makes you feel like right. this place is stuck in this you know point in time that'll never escape. Uh, so I really do like that. And when I hear that song, I get nice and creeped out. That's what we always use for our exit stage music with Skank Banger. We always play that at the oh, end yeah. of the shows. And they also play it at the end of uh, last podcast on the left. So every time I hear that, I just get a little, ooh, it's a little chill. 
Yeah, I think it, I think it works really well. That's why I start with this one because I knew you're into that one. So maybe we can ease you into okay the ways in which soundtrack dissonance perhaps get away from old timey hmm. and use uh, some newer music. Maybe Newfangled. Not, maybe not newer, but within the the past century. Okay. Um, Let's think about maybe, now this one is a very 80s song for a very 80s movie. American Psycho, the hip to be square scene. Oh man. Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? Yeah, that Mm -hmm. that totally works for me because that is definitely one of those times where you've got this just riotous, joyous Huey Lewis song, which everybody loves, of course. Meanwhile, this feller is getting... Chopped up with an axe by a psychotic yes. Christian yeah. male. Yeah, exactly. So, soundtrack dissonance doesn't have to use a song that has a creepy element to it already. True. Because, yeah. say, uh, this uses Tiptoeing Through the Tulips, which has Tiny Tim's voice, which is always kind of slightly creepy, and the lyrics are creepy. And you, you get maybe why it's a little over the top, even. Mm-hmm, Whereas sure. Midnight and the Stars and You and The Shining is, uh, yeah, it fits with the time, but it's not like, it's not adding anything sinister. It's trying to be light and playful while everything else is sinister. Yeah, totally. Same with Hip to be Square is it's light and playful. Everything else going on is sinister. So maybe you like it more when the movie is what it, we're scared of, not the song. Yeah, I think that that probably okay. makes more sense for my stance on on how that soundtrack stuff goes, yeah. This is uh, uh, similar, I think, to the American Psycho scene. In Shaun of the Dead, the don't stop me now oh scene. Oh my god, Where dude. they're fighting the zombies. I mean, that's unforgettable, and that is what I think of every time I hear that song. And I play that song yeah. in one of the cover bands that I play in. Well, used to play in, I don't know, do shows uh-huh. happen anymore? Right. <laughs> And every time we get to, you know, that part in the song, I just picture them fucking beating up that barkeep zombie guy. And yeah, right. I, I can't help but think of that every time. So that's totally like a feature of that movie that works. I, of course, it's a silly movie, too. It so is. you can it's get away movie. with that. Yeah, you can get away with that. Where American Psycho uses the silliness to juxtapose with the, the absolute lack of silliness in Patrick Bateman. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is is making this very serious scene silly with the the music because mm-hmm. otherwise it would get away from the tone of the movie maybe <laughs> where totally. they're just killing zombies like it would just be <laughs> like oh well this is suddenly just brutal um all right so maybe then a little film like Silence of the Lambs and a song Ooh. like Goodbye Horses Ooh, mercy Ooh. good Lord have mercy I'll tell you what man. That's a song that I really do think that even if it wasn't in that movie, it's right. still creepy as creepy. fuck. Right. And to so me too, th- like that works so well for that scene because for one, it's just really, really dark sounding. Like yeah. there's like fun, goofy eighties new wave that's just like silly, and then there's really serious dark shit like Depeche right. Mode and stuff like that that is full of torment and uh yeah, Goodbye Horses is one of those. It is really yeah. fucking creepy. And I think also, too, it works so well for that movie because the singer of that song, Q Lazarus, has a very androgynous voice. Yeah, and that's what the scene is going for as well, is the androgyny. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah. 
yeah it works uh i i i can see how it's approaching tiptoe through the tulips but it's still again working with the scene you might be understanding how when we start talking about insidious ben's gonna have a problem with tiptoe through the tulips and i am trying to understand the problem and i'm starting to get it Mm, okay Uh, all right the tiptoe tiptoe through the tulips is being used in insidious because it's creepy right yeah it's like well it's already creepy is creepy because the song is playing Mm -hmm. yeah we don't need creepy on creepy you can't put a hat on a hat right okay so let's look at some other instances then and this song actually is used in two different films the carpenters we've only just begun ah 1408 appears in 1408 and also in in the mouth of madness when he's in, first put into the cell in the beginning in the insane asylum there it start is playing, in there we've only just begun and he says no not the fucking carpenters i forgot uh, about that yeah yeah and it is it, it's used in in both instances to you know mean we've only just begun which uh, 1408 is it's like you know we're we're going to continually be fucking with you beyond this and in the uh in the mouth of madness it's the beginning of the the film it's the beginning of his tortures and, and things by, at the hand of Sutter Kane and his Lovecraftian demons mm-hmm. yeah so uh it's it's a light song but it also does have some darkness to it oh yeah yeah definitely so yeah I think that that works for that reason because it is kind of juxtaposing stuff that's happening in those movies it's a it's a pretty innocent sounding song but at the same time you know yeah. uh well i mean too the fact that you're hearing the voice of a ghost because she's real dead that makes it kind of spooky too right away <laughs> it's true she is real dead yeah very dead <laughs> Like, she's even deader now than she was yesterday. She was super Let's dead say, then. You don't get less dead. It just uh-uh. doesn't happen. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have a couple of... Uh, these are... This is just uh, examples of the end song being very ironic, but horror movies tend to do this. Uh, American Werewolf in London ends very sadly but then immediately cuts into a really like upbeat version of blue moon yeah it does it's just like this really weird like this movie kind of fucked me over and then it's just like this happy little doo-wop song at the yeah. end of it <laughs> yeah. i think that works in that movie too me and too they're not trying to make it creepy like no blue they're moon not is, is in that movie like there's all kinds of moon songs all over that whole uh-huh. flick like we talked about on our review episode and to me, that works because that movie has such a dark sense of humor to it that yep. they're not trying to make it creepy or anything no. at the end. If anything, it's just kind of like really fucking with you. It's just a little sack uh-huh. tap at the end of that movie to be like, hey, that hurt, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Go back and listen to our episode about it. We talked a good bit about that ending and why, why Blue Moon. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 also ends on Did You Ever See a Dream Walking? Yeah, uh, Bing Crosby. <laughs> Forgot about that one, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's another just similar instance of like, yeah, it's just like real weird sort of fuck with you sort of like, why would you? That's a strange choice. Um, But uh, there are some others that I think play with the music really well. And one out a lot is, of good ones so far. Yeah. Yeah. One specifically, I think, does a real good job of playing with the music is the Devil's Rejects playing free bird free bird yeah as they're being shot 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite, like, soundtrack moments with a licensed piece of music Yeah, in horror movie history, I think, honestly. Yeah. I can just, like, anytime I, pl- I hear that song or play that song or whatever, like, I think of the ending of that movie. It's just kind of like yeah. they're inseparable for me now. Yeah, and it uses it, you know, in a moment to to have that dissonance. Like, it, it's this, like, really, you know, free song that is uh, really talking about freedom, but also, like, the, the music itself, the melody itself is very free. All this stuff going on while they're being shot by the police is giving us this dissonant version that makes you feel like, actually, this is this is a happy ending for them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Which, again, I mean, that gets subverted by Three from Hell, I guess, because they didn't actually get killed. But. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was a sort of perfect ending and it, very interesting use of the song. I think um, Mom and Dad does this various times. I think, like, three different times. Like, the, the song Dude, the is hokey playing. hokey pokey. Yeah. The song <laughs> is playing when that mom kills her, her kid. Like, yeah, there, like, every... every scene is kind of juxtaposed with this real light music which goes again with the tone of the film because the the parents are feeling like they're being freed by doing this like whatever the disease or whatever it is that's spreading is making them feel happy about killing their kids yeah so yeah. this the scenes to them are happy but we're watching it and seeing the dissonance of the the music and what's occurring and it's you know uh both macabre and funny. I mean, that I'll movie's funny. I think a lot of those kids had it coming. I was a teenager once. I was awful. <laughs> it's they true. probably deserve it. It's true. Uh, I think, you know, just looking into this, th- there were two instances that I, I really do want to point out where it does it so well that the music is actually diegetic. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. That's that word we forget the scene. a lot. It's in mm-hmm. there. That's right. The music's actually diegetic, and that is uh, in Dawn of the Dead at the end when we just see the zombies wandering through the mall and that music is just playing and they're flying off in a helicopter to potentially die. Like, it's that just totally a re- works. Yeah. And in The Cabin in the Woods, the office party music that's playing while everybody's being slaughtered by all the various <laughs> horrors. <laughs> I forgot about that. That is just like an added element of just background weirdness to everything that's going on in that scene. Yeah. I think, I think those obviously work because as we said, they're diegetic. They're part of what's going on throughout like that, that Muzak they, they use in the movie, uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead. And, uh, of course the office office party starts when they think they've won and then turns out they haven't. Uh, so yeah, the, it just fits because it works, but it also does have that good dissonance to it, which kind of makes, I mean, for Dawn of the Dead, it has like a creepy feel, but Cabin in the Woods, it has a fun feel <laughs> like it, Cabin in the Woods is like the ending. We're supposed to feel kind of ambivalent about it, right? Like where it's just like, you know, do you, are you cool with sacrificing a kid for this world that is keep going? Cause like. I'm not. I don't think that. I, I'm cool with those Lovecraftian horrors destroying us all. That's fine. Let them have their time. You know, let them yeah. have their fun. They seem like fun folk. Remember yeah, that little folk. girl Real with big. the crazy tooth face? Mm-hmm. She, she looked fine. fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So 
there are a, a number of others that I could have picked, but I I just avoided them because I don't. I mean, like Clockwork Orange singing in the rain. That scene mm, is just yeah. gross. Yeah, yeah. But no. it is a great example. But I I think a lot of these examples kind of show that maybe you don't hate the this soundtrack dissonance. It's you hate when the song is being used to create the creepiness and the film itself isn't doing anything. I think so. I think yeah. that okay. this and another thing that I see kind of as the same deal is like the ultra dissonant soundtrack stabs, like big string sections just going Reep! whenever something scary in a movie happens. That is essentially like a laugh track for a horror movie. Yeah. You know, like when you watch these sitcoms yeah, and you get all this exactly canned right. laughter, it, it's yep. the show telling you, and now you laugh at this part. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Like, stuff like that is like the movie holding me by the hand being like, you should be scared now. This is the creepy right. part. Like, there should be subtitles on screen that say, here's the creepy part. Be creeped out. Be creepy. Yeah. yeah. Don't you so- tell me how to live my life soundtrack. Don't tell me how to live my <laughs> life. I was born free and country strong. <laughs> So so let's get into this film then, I guess. This Insidious, since we're already basically talking about it. Steve, um, before we do, can I just up? cut you, can I just cut you cut off and drop off. something that's been on my mind? You son bitch, I'm flipping you off and hogging my horn. Oh no. <laughs> you cut me off. Cause all this talk about soundtrack stuff, it got my gears a turning, Steve. And oh, here okay. recently I was thinking about this anyway, and I can't remember if I've talked about this on the show or not. If uh, if I have, it's probably been a good country minute since I have. Have I ever told you about this idea that myself and my friend Corey had about what if the only song that was ever written in history was Billy Jack Bitch by Prince? <laughs> okay. <laughs> have I ever told you about this? No. So me and Corey one day, we were hanging out. <laughs> Totally not doing drugs, which is the funniest part about this, because right. these are the just kind of dumb ideas that come into our minds naturally. Um, we just had this idea that what if the only song ever written in history was Billy Jack Bitch by Prince? Are you familiar with that song? I am not. It wasn't really a hit, but it just comes no, right out I the gate <laughs> with a funky Prince beat and some like synthesizers doing this. And it goes, Billy Jack Bitch. <laughs> And we had this idea that that was the only song that was ever written in history and that Prince okay. was like heralded as some kind of like God level genius because right. he's the only person that figured out how to write a song. Like nobody <laughs> since has been able to figure out how he did it. Nobody's <laughs> been able to write a song. That's the only one. Yeah. So we live in a world where there's the one song. Yeah. That's the and only he song. he couldn't even duplicate it. He did that and then he was like, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's just one song, one and done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we imagined a world where, you know, you or, you uh, you receive a birthday card from your grandparents. It's an electronic happy birthday card, and you open it up, and the song that plays, Billy Jack Bitch. Billy Jack Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's your graduation ceremony from college, and you walk down there with your mortarboard on to the, <laughs> Billy Jack to the verse of Billy Jack Bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some carolers <laughs> arrive at your door singing. <laughs> they sing Billy Jack, Jack Bitch. bitch. Because <laughs> it's the holidays. So, it's the only song. Yeah, maybe there's a, a funeral, and as the coffin is mournfully and slowly <laughs> lowered into the grave, it is accompanied by the painful strains of Billy Jack, bitch. 
this entirely sounds like a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> yeah, kind of does, but fun, but really fun. Yeah, it's just a fun one. Yeah, like every everything, just everything is normal. Just everywhere they go, Billy Jack bitch is playing everything, yeah. and nobody nobody comments on it because uh-uh, it's normal. No. It's, it's accepted. just normal. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because if other people could write songs, they would be doing it, but nobody can figure out how to do it. Nobody can figure it out. Not even Prince himself, the inventor yeah. of songs. So, <laughs> of song, period. Just there's only yeah, one. Yeah, song, yeah. <laughs> so this is something that has been in my head for like years now, you know? And it's like, I'll watch a fucking episode of Home Improvement and be like, <laughs> What if the theme song was just Billy Jack Bitch instead? <laughs> that would make home improvement better, honestly. I think so. Yeah. It wouldn't hurt for sure, you no. know? And it really kind of got me thinking into areas that I hadn't really considered before, which is in this Billy Jack Bitch reality, hashtag BJB. <laughs> BJB, yeah. That also means that all soundtrack stuff for movies would also be Billy Jack Bitch. So whenever yeah, you get the, the Hogwarts, uh, you know, first day of mm-hmm. school, like inaugural mm-hmm. program thing, you got the Hogwarts choir, of course, That's singing the school sing. song. Billy <laughs> Jack Bitch. Billy Jack Bitch, obviously. <laughs> but also oh, got me man. thinking, too, that means that in this movie, whenever, you know, the little cupboard kid busts out of that wardrobe and goes and puts on a record and does his, does his little old-timey dance... It'd be definitely mm-hmm. be Billy Jack Bitch. Yeah. So I just would like to put out a challenge to anybody, any of the dead and loveliest that are <laughs> mightier than I, if you want to do me a favor, just cut that scene. Just recut that with Billy Jack Bitch on the soundtrack. <laughs> just go ahead and post that on the Facebook group. It would it would do more for my spirits than you know to see that part. He the record skips. <laughs> Billy Jack Bitch. <laughs> He's dancing. Billy yeah. Jack, Billy Jack, bitch. <laughs> I gotta have it. Okay. I have to have it. He's gotta have it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so now that's your world, too. You're right. welcome. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll be thinking about it now. Any Like, in an elevator, just some music yeah. playing. Why is this not Billy Jack, bitch? Yeah, well, it would be better if it was, I <laughs> It'd think. It would be better if it was. <laughs> Whenever the presidential candidates are walking out to the podiums for the debate. <laughs> And now yeah, place your right hand above your heart and sing the national anthem. Billy Jack, Jack Bitch. That would Just be every country's national anthem. <laughs> every country. Every country's national anthem. If they want one, they're going to choose the song. Duh. The song. Yeah, you got one choice. <laughs> it's either that or they just go out there and they're like, Argentina. That was the national anthem. <laughs> that was it. Everybody Argentina. just says it. Argentina. <laughs> That's great. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. Something to think about, man. <laughs> Something to consider. All right. So Insidious from 20 yeah. and 10. This is yeah. a movie. Yeah. It came out, uh, hit the Toronto International Film Festival in 2010, and then the wide theatrical release in 2011. It's a movie. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 uh, have no reason to dislike this movie, but I know you do dislike this movie. It's not, that's not my favorite thing. It's not my favorite yeah. movie. Yeah. I don't think it's great, but I do feel like this episode will be me defending a movie that I don't think is great because Uh-oh. I think there's a lot to defend. Get ready to get your opinion punched in the neck, Steve. I'm Uh-oh. going to punch your opinion. 
<laughs> so it's directed by James Wan, who we've talked about already when we did uh, Saw and The Conjuring. This, yep, that's right. Uh, you know, this comes after Saw and and Saw Two. He he was really wanting to prove he could do something other than gruesome, bloody horror. I'm just saying, and, okay, again, trademark dead and lovely. Sorry, sorry, Steve, not to break your momentum, but I'm an idea man, and I've just I had an idea. It. Okay. Why is it that mm-hmm. they did that Saw like prequel thing that was called Jigsaw, right? Yes. Why didn't they call it Scene? Because <laughs> it's Saw in the past. Scene. Or Scene. At least give me Scene. Come on. Scene. Yeah. Scene. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the saw prequel scene yeah. trademark dead and lovely All right, i guess i'm sorry any future sequels will have to be called we'll see yeah we'll see <laughs> saw <laughs> okay so uh yeah yeah just so this is yeah this is james wan wanting to make something uh not gruesome and bloody and uh they made it on a 1.5 million dollar budget Woo, in three that ain't weeks a lot of money that is that is an accelerated schedule yeah it's a real fast schedule it's uh it's uh, not a lot of money in 2010 for sure and it's um you know the thing is it's not uh it's not revolutionary it's not n- amazing but it's creative and it's not a uh, remake that's true this was definitely in the age of when it was just nothing but fucking remakes yeah so i i see why this movie is popular why it made a whole lot of money when it came out uh 1.5 million dollar budget made almost 100 million dollars in the box office so good lord that's a lot of money huge this is coming off the heels of Oren Pelly's uh, paranormal activity, when basically when Blumhouse was formed to oh. uh, create uh, or to to get uh, paranormal activity out there, and then the entire idea behind Blumhouse is to just find these low budget movies that are done well, and let let these directors just do their thing and not interfere and let it go the way it goes and then make money off of a low budget horror movie because you have good distribution and you can do a good advertising push like i mean that's that's kind of nothing new it's like that's the entire model for the 80s slasher game make them cheap make them frequently make a lot of fucking money it goes back to rko in the 1940s ben it is it has been around for a long time Randy Orton was around in the 40s? Yeah, he used to RKO people back in the 40s. It was crazy. <laughs> he'd be like, he'd just point out a, a World War I veteran and just fucking RKO him. Oh, my God. He hey, said, I'm, boy, I'm doing it for say. the boys in blue. <laughs> what? All right. <laughs> I'm Randy Orton. Okay. Randy Orton from Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this, I mean... This movie helped to make Blumhouse continually possible right oh, yeah. after Paranormal Activity. And then, of course, Sinister came out the same year. So, I mean, that is a run of really cheap movies that made, that made a, a lot of money. ton of money. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just I'll just name some of the Blumhouse productions just the first title because they've all had sequels, it seems, and those sequels make money. So we've had Paranormal Activity, Insidious sinister the purge the ouija movies 
uh, Split and Glass, and of course, the Happy Death Day, and then Halloween as well. They're making sequels of. So they've got all these different um, uh, cash cows. <laughs> yeah, franchises. <laughs> Properties, yeah. As well as, uh, you know, Get Out and Lords of Salem and all these other things. Ma, like all these other horror movies that are creative and interesting. Some like in those names, none of them are uh, except for, say, Get Out and Split. And I like the new Halloween eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I really love The Purge, though. the, The movies are always just not enough for me we'll do the purge at some point but yeah yeah and i'll get into what i mean by that but uh, i think the purge just doesn't go far enough ever for me but those those movies are pretty good but yeah they they, they're just consistently pushing out uh interesting new horror it doesn't have to be groundbreaking revolutionary but it can be Mm -hmm. uh but they're making money and making horror possible more more of this stuff like, I'm totally with you on what you said are, you know, ones that they've made that we actually dig. Like, there's not yeah. a lot of them that I really, really, really like. But I will say that Blumhouse is kind of like, let's say they are to horror movies what Disturbed and Slipknot are to, to heavy metal. <laughs> okay. Where it's like, those are not bands that are really made for, like, Died in the Wool I love extremely heavy music and stuff like this. Like, it's not really made for those people. It's really made to get people into the genre, you know? Right. Uh, well, I don't like yeah. those bands as much as I like Meshuga and Carbomb and Opeth and stuff sure. like that, like I like to listen to. But at the same time, you know, that stuff is way too extreme for people to get into. The Witch is not somebody's ideal first horror movie. No. You know? Yeah, it's not. This is exactly why I think these movies need to be defended because this insidious uh, paranormal activity, which we dug, and I I do like those those movies, though uh, a couple of them are nothing nothing too great about them, but yeah, definitely an interesting series. But you look at these things like insidious paranormal activity, The Purge. These are this generation's like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth and sure. Halloween. Yeah, like, and and I'm the the crusty old turd from the '70s back then that was like they don't make horror movies like they used to back in my day. I don't like this new generation. Like I'm just that 1940s guy now. 1940s horror movies are better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I'm totally that you, crusty son of a bitch now. I'll tell you, it's just not it's just not the case that. Uh, you look at this in comparison to, say, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street, classic. Love the yeah, movie. love it. The ending is a mess. Yeah, It <laughs> doesn't make much sense. The, there's, there's not a lot of, like, Freddy kills. When you think of traditional Freddy stuff, not a lot of that at all. Yeah, you but got the spinny great. room, you got the blanket around the neck. Like, not... Yeah. Other than the spinny room, nothing too incredible. Right. But it's great uh, for what it is and also in context of, of the entire series. We were able to see those all at once as kids, basically, because they were all coming out real quick, just like these were. Totally. So th- there's a real corollary there. So these are also PG-13, which uh, we were watching R-rated movies back in the 80s, but... 
that was just how it was back then now you need it to be pg-13 for teenagers to definitely get in so yeah, they make yeah. this pg-13 movie teenagers are gonna go see it and you know uh, people who grew up in the 80s could be like i mean you know it looks like uh poltergeist crossed with nightmare on elm street oh yeah yeah it does it but sure they does don't know that uh-huh but yeah, I, get, I get to. that yeah i can understand that man yeah so i i want i i want more of this i think it should keep happening but you're right i don't think this is a great movie <laughs> so not really yeah yeah I will say, though, like, I didn't even think about the rating of this movie at being PG-13 until you you pointed it out. Yeah. Because there's not, like, a lot of times in this movie where you go, oh, man, I can tell they wanted to do more with the gore here, but they cut it out to keep it PG-13. Like, this movie never really feels like it sells itself short or edits itself. Like, there's not really room for a boob or a gore in here. Yeah. This is smart business decision. This was James... I mean, James Wan definitely wanting to step away from saw but also i'm sure jason blum being like okay look like these are the things because he and oren pelly basically they're the main producers at blumhouse i don't know if oren pelly's still there but uh they they are very smart about how they put movies together and they really think about their audience and they really consider like they seem to have a, a formula that I mean, they have two movies where Lin Shay plays a medium. Yeah. Two movie <laughs> franchises where Lin Shay plays a medium. And, and nobody's questioning it. Nobody's pointing it out. It's fine. Because it's just, it's what we want. It's it's the 80s again. It's just push more out. Maybe it'll, maybe this one will hit. Maybe it won't, but it'll make enough money that we can make more. And we can make these other great creative stuff on the side. Stuff we know, like, you know, Jordan Peele's going to make this movie. We know it's going to succeed. Yeah, but we have to keep our hands off and let him do his thing, mm-hmm. and we got to be able to afford to do it. So let's yeah. make another one of these PG thirteen joints that yeah, checks that all just, the boxes and gets asses gonna, in yep. seats. Teenagers are going to go see it. It's going to be revolutionary to them, and that's fine. It's good. Uh, they're going to enjoy it. They're always going to have a soft spot in their heart for it. Maybe in the future they'll look back and go, "Oh, it wasn't that great," but whatever. It got yeah, them into whatever. horror. It got yeah. them into horror. And again, that's kind of where I think about these movies as being good gateway horror movies where if you have somebody who's kind of curious about the genre or a younger person that wants to get into it but you know doesn't want to climb as steep of a hill as like texas chainsaw or something like that yeah yeah, i get it there's a reason for these movies there's a time and a place for these things and james wan i'll tell you man the fact that he got this movie made for a million bucks in three weeks yeah. And then also, too, when you look at the shooting schedule and budget of Saw, it was non-existent. Yeah, 20, 28 days, just a tiny, tiny budget. Yeah. That's absolutely nuts. Like, I don't know that... I honestly don't know that he has an original idea in his head as far as story and stuff like that goes. But, man, that guy should hmm. be a production negotiator on, like, every movie <laughs> ever made. Because I seriously bet they could have come down with, like, the Transformers script, and it's like, okay, it's between you and Michael Bay who gets to make the movie. Michael Bay wants $300 million and blah, blah, blah. James <laughs> Wan would be like, I can do it for 2K. <laughs> He's <laughs> also from Jersey. <laughs> He's also from Jersey. Everybody. I can do it for 2K. is no problem. You know? Yeah. Or maybe if, like, he was, like, a job site negotiator for construction companies and stuff you know like that guy could get fucking work done i could get this done in a week for 36 (laughs) dollars 
<laughs> you know what? I'll pay you. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna pay you so I can make this building today. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I I think yeah, like um Saw was uh interesting concept. Uh, of course, you know, it got pushed and pushed and pushed uh further and further and people that are way into Saw are way into Saw. It's somebody's franchise for sure. Totally. Uh then the conjuring yeah it's uh you know we're just building off of the the warrens which were already the basis for so many horror movies their paranormal investigations so yeah again nothing new there and this yeah it, it really is in a ton of ways just poltergeist but uh it, it in it introduces some elements that seem new but really when i recognized them i was like oh yeah that's night around elm street like that that's what yeah. this is it's just way more uh spirits instead of yeah. just freddy you got a whole bunch of spirits so the lipstick demon is is freddy like they even have him sharpening his claws which we see freddy doing in the first yeah, night around first elm thing street. we see of freddy period right yeah, yeah you're right like yeah. this movie i remembered it having a lot of stuff that i felt like was close to poltergeist but this time when i watched it which it's been years since I watched this movie, but whenever I watched it again the other night, um, I think I'd forgotten just how much it lifted from Poltergeist because you're like, okay, a kid is vanished into a nether realm. Now in this, his body is still here. It's just his consciousness, but kid banished to nether realm. You have to summon a you know, spiritual medium to come to the house that has some like kind of kooky co-scientist henchmen people, little sidekick people, uh, turns out the kid is haunted. That's Poltergeist 2. It's not a haunted house. It's a haunted kid. And then a parent has to travel to that nether realm to save the kid. Like, you just described Poltergeist. So I don't know, man. It's like, I feel like there's not really... I don't know. I guess some of the ways that they get there are interesting because whereas Poltergeist was a much more ambiguous, the kid is in the spirit realm kind of thing, I like that this movie ties in this astral projection kind of concept into here, which that's one of those things that, you know, has been a part of, um, you know, all things occult for a really long time, but astral projection and stuff like that got on my radar from like old school Marvel comic books and shit like this. So it's always been really fascinating to me. And whenever something I like taps into that, like let's say Macedon's Crack the Sky album, which is all about a astral projection gone wrong and this person's spirit ends back up in czarist russia it's a concept album it's fucking badass i love it like i like when that gets dragged in and i like that that is the the medium through which possession can occur is if you're astral tripping out and you go too far or you're in this realm too long that's when a spirit can basically inhabit your empty body at that point i think that that's a fun cool way to get around possession rather than being like i don't know demons uh yeah catholics yeah. and stuff i don't know they're definitely like they definitely have their own world mythology going on that yeah it doesn't involve religion but she does call the lipstick demon a demon um but then the others are all spirits but like we're never we're not introduced to concepts of heaven or hell. She just says that they these are uh, restless spirits. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. So they keep religion out of it. They uh, also don't say it's based on a true story, which I think is a positive for ghost stories. The more we, <laughs> yeah, 
the more we just embrace the fiction of it, the more uh, more entertaining it can be. And oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think they're creative in the way, like, yes, it's very much the poltergeist, and uh, it's very much Zelda and the paranormal investigators, but they had creative, uh, like, twists to it. Like, I like their equipment, how, you know, they used the the toy viewfinder thing uh the, yeah the little repurposed kind of gadgets there yeah right the the gas mask uh that she puts on to do the reading and stuff all that stuff is really interesting to me and it was it doesn't pretend to be science it's not like you know there, there's never any explanation where it's like well it's actually capturing the neutrinos of a ghost's butthole or whatever <laughs> um, yeah it's more it, like a, a ghostbusters kind of thing where people yeah. show up with weird tech and it works because it works yeah exactly so i enjoyed that about it i i yeah it's um it's got its charms for me that i think it deserves some credit specifically for creature designs and stuff i think all of the different designs are fun and interesting and they found people with interesting faces to make up and things like you're talking about I, all the like and boogers that inhabit yeah. this movie, huh? Yeah, I really I like that design, and I like that they obviously were able to do it for cheap. Yeah, that's true, because it really would have been very easy for any of these things, like the Lipstick Demon or the, the Lady in Black or whatever, just to be, you know, mid-2000s cheap CGI horse shit. It would have been really easy for it to fall into that, and I like that they, you know... I don't know, maybe you could say sacrificed anything super crazy design-wise. That way they could do it practical and cheap and then just add on, like, I think, like, with that, that dude that's dressed in black that's always, like, in the nursery and stuff, that that guy, like, he's got kind of this weird sort of, like, foggy filter around him and stuff like that. But at his core, it's still a human being wearing clothes. It's not a CGI creature. So I appreciate that about it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I I would like to see more to, uh, movies like this that try to take a creative spin on a PG-13 horror film, like that really aim to be a PG-13 horror film and try to make it still scary and interesting. Mhm. Um, yeah. That that is a that is a genre I think that exists but isn't doesn't get a lot of focus. These films that can be shown to teenagers and and can still be comfortably uncomfortable i guess where it's like you can control the environment you can feel like your kids aren't watching something that's going to twist them for life but also you can get them in a horror movie so they can watch the shit that'll twist them for life exactly get them into that yeah. real shit you know yeah yeah, yeah. and the, the casting of some of those haints is pretty interesting too like yes. for example i i didn't know the little dancing boy is, is uh -huh. actually a little dancing man. Yeah, that's Ben Wolf, uh, who played the Infantata and Meep in American Horror Story. And he unfortunately died in 2015. He was struck by a passing vehicle, which I, I guess they didn't see him because he was not a tall man. Uh, and he get hit by the, the side mirror on their car. So mm -mm. that that was sad. Emily and I lived in LA when that happened, and I remember reading it and just being like, "Oh man!" And that That's is it. why I'm Ugh. running my campaign on a motto: advertising tall hats for short people. It's for your safety. I will put a tall hat on every <laughs> short person in this nation. Vote for me. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Yep. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we got Ben Wolf who plays the dancing boy. We also got uh, the composer, Joseph Bashara, plays the lipstick face demon. Yeah, that guy's uh, just an industrious guy. He's like, I'll he write is. the music and put the lipstick on my face. Apparently, like, his face makeup is lipstick. Like, they covered his face in lipstick. Well, that, I mean, great. That, uh, perfect. It works. It's really creepy. <laughs> so, I'll good, tell you good, what, though, good man. Job. As a pale person that has often worn lipstick for stage apparel, that yeah. had to be nightmarish to wash off of his skin. I bet oh, his yeah, pores were ten kinds of clogged. That <gasps> had to be Poor awful. Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's a busy guy right there. Yeah, he he's uh, he does a lot of the composing. He also played Bathsheba in The Conjuring as well, which he composed yeah. the music for. So I he, I think he he maybe while they're shooting the film. It's like, well, what am I composing? Why don't you just put me in some makeup or something? <laughs> I got to get some inspiration. I got to yeah. be the demon to think about what kind of music everybody, the demon would want to have. Maybe he likes to Billy this. Jack Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> everybody involved with this has a Jersey accent is the point. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. All of them, man. <laughs> this whole episode has just been very fucking <laughs> New York, New Jersey centered. Yeah, I don't know why. I've been watching Sopranos lately. That's probably that why. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the episode, I'm going to be like, subscribe to the Patreon so we can buy the Gabagool. <laughs> but let's be honest. That lipstick demon is Darth Maul. Like, they really should have worked a uh, little yeah. harder to make a more original uh, face makeup design for this thing because it just looks like Darth Maul. It looks like scary Darth Maul. Well, I mean, yeah. With does. hooves. He's unkosher Darth Maul. There you go. Yeah, he does, but I, I think, again, like it's just smart tapping into uh, stuff that the teenagers are going to connect to. Like, they're not, probably not uh, going to immediately go Darth Maul, but they've probably watched Clone Wars growing up. Which okay. was All right. was a pretty popular TV show, and Darth Maul was was heavily involved. So, so you're saying you probably had some teenage butts in seats in 2020, being like, "Oh, Madonna, he remind me of the Darth Maul." <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, again, uh, yeah, it is it is Darth Maul, and it does lack that. Like it's it's not original but why does it really have to be i mean it doesn't need to be original it needs to be effective and mm. i think it will be with mm. with people of of that age i got a little song i need to show you by a group I'll tell you what they're kind of an underground group maybe you never heard of them it's a little group called 311 you need to uh -huh. listen to their song come original and get back to me steve oh man mm-hmm that's All right, right. I mean, to you. that was that was a cold diss, but okay. I'm going to go <laughs> listen to 311 now. Let's say hypothetically there was a band that told you to come original. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Ben Shapiro. Oh, no. Get him out of here. <laughs> so we got, we got a, a good cast in here, though. We got uh, Patrick Wilson, who is Patrick Wilson. I mean, the guy's always good. Everything he's in, he's face Patrick covered Wilson. in handsome, just all he's over his face. Covered in handsome, he's effortless, effortlessly uh, charming. He, you put him in anywhere, he works. So you can see why people go back to that well. Uh, and uh, Blumhouse has gone back to him a couple times because he's couple also in The Conjuring. That's right. Um, he was also in Hard Candy and and tons of other 
uh stuff that we'll cover in the future we've talked about bone tomahawk um, oh yeah that's right he was in that yeah uh then we also have rose Byrne, who at this point is she hasn't done bridesmaids yet so people know who rose Byrne is and she's done some roles but she's not rose burn rose burn yet so this they kind of got lucky to get uh rose burn right before bridesmaids came out which kind of upped her profile well but again kind of going back to the the grand tradition of the 80s slasher just like we were saying like pump them out fucking make it for cheap make a lot of money off of them let actors and actresses that are wanting to get in the business that are pretty good get their start here yeah. because they'll work for cheap yeah. like it's the same deal and you can also go to veteran actors who know what they're doing like lynn shay to, yeah. to carry the the heavier load yeah oh yeah she's no stranger so, to the horror business no she's been doing it a long long time and uh her daddy of course is bob shay so um you know without bob shay we don't have new line and you know the house that freddie built lord of the rings uh, lord of the rings etc so lynn, lynn shay has been around a long time she was in nightmare on elm street she's in critters she's in the the ouija series as i said um all over the place but she's also in comedies and things like something about mary and me myself and irene and, and all sorts of stuff so lynn shay has like 200 acting credits you bring Jeez. her in because you know that she can just walk onto a set and be the person you need her to be uh, which is what you need when you're shooting for three weeks. That's exactly what I was about to say. Is that's the thing? Is like it. It really reminds me of. It's like a musica. It's like it's, it's like when a musica. You got a project that you need to get done really fast, or you have a last minute gig that you got to set up in like a week. You bring in a pro. You call the motherfuckers, and apparently, yeah. from everything that I read about people that worked on this movie, they said the entire shooting schedule just went effortless. It was just super super smooth. Everybody showed up. Everybody knew their lines, understood their parts, they were ready to work, and they knocked the whole thing out fast because they're professionals, because things can run that smoothly. Yep. Yeah, they can. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Lynn Shea and Barbara Hershey are both old veterans. Patrick Wilson and, and Rose Byrne, both up and coming, but obviously good workers. You got the kids, but they didn't give the kids a lot of lines. Smart, because kids are going to have more trouble with lines. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you got the writer, Lee Wanell, as Specs, so that helps. Of course he knows it. He wrote it. I didn't and, realize and then, that that was him. Yeah, yeah. He he was also the, the photographer guy in Saw. Huh. Um, the, the other guy chained up in the room with him. He's. I, I think it's smart uh, if you've got an actor who's also a writer uh, and you really do need to push it out quick, he probably could play one of the roles pretty easily. Uh, so throw lee wanell in there then you got angus samson who uh is the other paranormal helper guy who has all the gadgets he's great he is uh in fargo season two probably my favorite character in that season and it i, I love that season so much also has patrick wilson in it very insidious heavy cast wow yeah uh so yeah yeah but yeah everybody here other than lee wanell and angus samson samson have pretty heavy like IMDb's already up to this point, and then uh, Lee Wanell's the writer, and Angus Sampson just knocks it out. He does a good job of being that sort of like uh, comic relief, I guess, is what he is. Though uh, I think those guys play comic relief more in the second movie, and this they're just not. There's, I think a lot of the lines are kind of 
throw off improvised like okay just say something here like the the priest when he's talking to her on the yeah. couch whenever he shows up <laughs> i had the subtitles on and he, he just says he says like so like faith like you know how do you keep it <laughs> <laughs> so what's like, the deal with what? that huh <laughs> like, so what's the deal with jesus like, am i right was like say something priesty and he was like oh it's a faith right it's uh so this jesus wow. fella you know what i mean huh? you heard about jesus but yeah, you know like, about an just, angel huh? there's so many sort of like throwaway transition lines that seem like they were just like okay say something here so we can get to the next bit uh it, it doesn't seem overly written it seems like yeah they uh they they got it done in three weeks. They got it done well in three weeks, but you can tell they got it done in three weeks. They pushed it quickly uh, because I think they probably would have wanted some of those moments back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of nuts how fast that they, they cranked this thing out. Yeah. And, and again, they could do that too because there was not a lot of post-production that had to be done on special yeah, effects but, and CGI yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, even the, the, the further is just like a soundstage. Yeah, like, it's got to be. So, you're, yeah, you're not dealing with much there, just keeping it dark and having a house in the middle of a soundstage and then put makeup on people. And it's not even like the makeup isn't like a bunch of appliances or anything either. It's just like white face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing it's too a wild. Ghost. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to praise their efficiency and stuff, but I, I think, I think you're right. I mean, there's nothing nothing new about this there's nothing original about it it really is kind of uh, a mishmash of already successful projects that is aimed at teenagers who don't know those projects yeah and that's the thing that i don't get too is like why is it that it seems like especially in these types of movies like really mainstream horror stuff whenever there's like a ghost it's always some kind of like little elizabethan boy or like a woman in like a victorian gown like it's always something around like this time period it's never like oh look at this fucking 70s kid ghost Uh yeah i did appreciate that about the sixth sense that like they had people of different time periods yeah and actually i guess there is there is the family in this that looks like they're like a 1950s or 1960s yeah but again it's they're always a distinctive period like what if they were just wearing a t-shirt and jeans? Timeless. <laughs> it's a timeless look. You put a ghost in a denim jacket, he could be from any time period. <laughs> Who's this guy? Is he from the 80s? <laughs> Is he from tomorrow? Who knows? I don't know, but he's in the fashion. I'll tell you this. Because <laughs> he's wearing a denim jacket. It's never the wrong choice. It's never, never the, the wrong, wrong choice. choice, especially if you're wearing jeans. Yeah, you throw that exactly. denim jacket on, now you look ultra cool. Uh-huh, ultra Canadian. I'll tell you my biggest problem with these ghosts, and this is one of my biggest problems with the movie in general. And okay. ironically enough, it's also the biggest problem that I have with Darth Maul. Okay. okay. Darth Maul, we've seen the trailers and <laughs> stuff. We saw this guy. <laughs> He's just going to keep going. Just, just go ahead. Okay. Just go ahead. Yeah. We see this guy, he's got this double-ended fucking dildo lightsaber thing, he's flinging it around, he's got the horns in his head, he's got the red and black, the Chicago Bulls colors, we're like, man, I can't wait for him to dunk on a Jedi, and in the movie, obviously he's super cool, but we never get to see him dunk on anybody, 
Like, he doesn't do anything. Like, we don't get to see him truly be a badass and, like, destroy some fucker. And the same deal with the ghosts in this. It's like, yes, they look spoopy, and they arrive with the sound of someone, you know, laying their forearm across a piano every time they show up on the scene. (laughs) It's true. But they never do anything. Like, I never really got the sense of, like, how in danger this kid is because I never got to see how bad it can get. Now, I realized before you can even throw it back in my face that you could say the same thing about Poltergeist. I mean, there's no kills in Poltergeist. There's no, no death. No, Um but I don't, I don't know why it works there and it doesn't work for me here because I never got the sense that these people were truly in danger considering that the demons and ghosts never do anything. Well, I I think what you're maybe dealing with is that the poltergeist poltergeist doesn't show the enemy. That's true, yeah. So there's no expectation that anything happened beyond what has already happened because what already already happened is mysterious. We don't know wh- what's happening to her in this other realm. So That's true. That's we never see that scary. side of the veil. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that tension's always there. We don't know what's going on. With uh, this, because they show it, they then need to take it somewhere, and they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, like, if you're going to show they, all these ghosts, it, yeah. they need to be an actual threat. Mm-hmm. I think and so. Let me let me see them tearing the soul are. apart. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think they are. Like, even the, the guy who keeps showing up in the baby's room, you know, he's, he's creepy, and he gets all up on uh, Rose Byrne. But that's all he does. Yeah. He just, like, corners her and, like, is scary. Pretty much. That's it. So, yeah, yeah I think because you show all these, you, you have to push it further. One of them has to injure or kill somebody. And I guess that happens in the end. But, you know, we see the we see Patrick Wilson kill Lin Shay. Yeah, totally. not the ghost killing Shay. So it still isn't like like we know it's the ghost in him, but it's not like we're not getting the resolution of the spooky thing we saw earlier. That spooky thing is not harming someone. We're seeing Patrick Wilson do it. So yeah, yeah, I, you're right. It doesn't work. There's that disconnect there because they took it into the further. They needed to take it further. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that's the thing is like, you know, the one kill that happens here, like you said, we do see at the very end of the movie. And it's like, I can't retroactively feel scared for the characters now that I know that these ghosts can kill people. Right. So it just doesn't really work for me. No, but it, it, I mean, it's, it's again, it's a business decision. It sets up the sequel. That's what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to make you be like, oh, I got to come back and see the sequel to find out what happens in this movie that I just paid to see. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, also look at how, let's just say by comparison, another similarly, you know, somewhat family friendly uh, piece of the horror world. Like, let's look at the TV miniseries for It, where it starts Uh with this little kid on the tricycle out of the clothesline getting eliminated like we see yeah. right away there is an imminent threat absolutely a threat yeah yeah you know right. seems like they yeah, could have this... showed us like another kid in the neighborhood or maybe even another kid that was at that house or something like that yeah that did get taken into the further that way we would actually be nervous for these characters instead of just being like well i don't know anything could happen this kid's in the further i don't know i've never been there i never seen anything bad happen there 
Maybe he's fine. Maybe yeah. he has a good time. Maybe it's just like a, a nice long rest. I don't know. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It's. You're right. I mean, it, it does. It relies entirely on musical stings and jump scares. Uh. Beyond the you know already interesting creative. Uh. Ghosts that they've they've made. They they don't they don't do anything with them. So, yeah. It. It just it 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 does it it consistently fails at pushing the horror to something that would make it actually work. Yeah. Well, which I think there was potential in it at at the beginning. I think the second half drops off pretty precipitously. Like it's just hard to care about it mm-hmm. in the second half. Like as you said because the stakes just aren't there. Yeah, well, and also, too, like, Poltergeist did such a good job of painting us this picture of this American family with a working dad in this, you know, carbon copy neighborhood that they live in, and they have a family unit that seems believable, that we like. We get to spend time with the kids, you know, before anything bad starts happening. Like, we have the, like, the breakfast table scene with the kids and all this other stuff, even the scene with Craig T. Nelson and the kid counting the lightning, like it builds this relationship between the kids and the family that when one of their own gets ripped away from them, like you're rooting for him to get the kid back. You're involved in it and stuff in this, the bad stuff just kind of happens right away before I can even really get to know the family or care about these characters. And honestly too, something that I don't see a lot of people talk about, about this is like Patrick Wilson as the dad kind of sucks. Like he's kind of a dickhead for a lot of the movie. Yeah, he just disappears and stays at work so he can avoid being at the house. He, yeah, he, like, But yeah, he never he, has a character arc either where he's like, he I doesn't. spent all this time at work and I could have been with my kids and now one right. of my kids is gone. Like, there's none of that. No, he just, he just like, and he, he doesn't make any sense either because he'll just be like, yeah, I, I'm interested. I accept the idea that maybe we should bring in a paranormal investigator. Oh, they want to do something? No. No, you can't do something. Oh, they should do something. Like, what? It's just like, yeah. within five minutes, that all happens. Like, the character. And then also, so too, when it's just like, oh, yeah, also, I guess I used to do this astral projection stuff right. when I was a kid. And now I, I forgot remember. about it. Yeah, right. now I remember about it. Like, really? Like, that's the tidiest way to tell that story? Like, it's cool. I, again, I like the almost X-Men-like sort of thread that this has where this is like a family trait. It's like you pass this on to your kids. Your kids can astral project because you can. That's cool. But is that the best way to do it, really? Yeah, I, I like, He has I to get involved know. because he has the secret power that he forgot that he had. I don't um, know that uh, his character plays out in any way that I would refer to as the best. <laughs> I would say... We there could have been far more set up to he will be possessed at the end. Like there could have been far more like indication of him being susceptible to these things, like anything other than just a sudden revelation. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out you've got the power too. You've got the touch. <laughs> you got the power. Uh-huh. And that's the thing about it too, is like you said, it does entirely rely on on jump scares except for one which i do think this movie does have one well-placed like what the fuck was that moment where you know we're following uh the moms and she's walking through the house and stuff 
And there's that shot where she walks through that laundry room and the little, uh, yeah. little dancing kid is standing there facing the wall. Yeah. There's something about that. Maybe just the fact that he's like facing the wall that's kind of Blair witchy and spooky and it doesn't draw attention to it. It doesn't have a musical sting. Again, the horror movie laugh track telling you something scary just happened. Be scared. Like it lets you see it if you see it and if you don't, you don't. That works. And I think the the creature design works especially like when he's just walking through and like they're not really doing anything like just how creepy that is all of that like can stay it definitely is good and interesting but there are ways that everything else could have been done that would have made this work as just a a good horror movie and could have still stayed pg-13 yeah, I think uh, so. It, it definitely just needed more, more meat there, more like more for us to really uh, hold on to that we're worried about. Like if you if you want to create horror, you you gotta care about the characters. You gotta be invested. I think maybe uh, Renee is the the one character we get to know a little bit. We know that she. Uh, seems unhappy being a mom being a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. uh yeah because she's writing a song about the thing that she wants to be which i guess is a songwriter and she says she's looking west which is strange because the house they're in is in la uh, i mean I, uh, maybe she wants to move to japan not sure <laughs> is that where you go to make it in the music business japan sounds nice i don't know it could be yeah. good sure um so yeah, we get a little bit of her, and we see her most of the time dealing with these things, but then we're supposed to think the dad's the hero in the end? Like, I, we never get to connect to him. No. The way that we get to connect uh-huh. to her, and we barely get to connect to her. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, 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 it has its moments for sure, but it, it just doesn't put those together effectively. Yeah, I think so, man. And yeah, like you said, like all the jump scares and stuff like that are accompanied by soundtrack hits that just, I, I just find very uncreative. Yeah, it is just like uh, strings and just hit a piano. Um, it, yeah, that, I mean, it, that is, it, it's tropey for sure. This movie goes with a lot of tropes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that that has kind of become such a cliche that I think we're getting a lot of, you know, horror movie soundtrack people that are, you know, straying away from that and trying different yeah. things. I mean, yeah. it was like a couple of weeks ago I heard I got five on it. And I realized, like, I was like, why am I getting kind of creeped out listening to this? And I was like, <laughs> oh, because right. of us. It's like, that's not at all a song you would associate with a horror movie, and I don't even frankly like that movie very much, but it's like... I, I liked it, but that is another I example, that though, of that uh, soundtrack dissonance, too, where yeah, yeah totally. it's just a completely uh, unattached song that is, like, fun and freeing, and this terrible thing's happening, yeah. Dude, when I think about some of the most, like, chilling original horror soundtrack stuff that's happened in my lifetime man i mean i mean obviously i'm about to talk about hereditary because that movie just rocks my socks but like take at the end of that movie when uh spoilers if you've not seen hereditary it's the fucking best listen to our episode on it but like the music at the very end of that movie 
is like almost triumphant sounding. Yeah, it's and it's the, triumphant the for the bad guy. bells and stuff going on. And oh yeah. man, and the horns and stuff, and it's just like it sounds like the bad guy won. This is yeah. great, and uh-huh. it's fucking creepy as shit. Like that whole scene with a typical horror movie soundtrack like this, where it's just screechy, dissonant strings. It'd be like, fuck, man. Yeah, I get it. This yeah. is scary, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, I, I like a sparser soundtrack. I don't like for the soundtrack to be part of the the uh, the, the scare, but I do like for it to be part of the fear, part of the yeah. tension, part of the terror. But, you know, again, it's like I, I say that and realize that I say that as the person that this movie was probably not made for. It's like I'm a person who has heard that soundtrack stab in 80,000 movies and I'm fucking tired of it. It's kind of like yes. I'm so tired of hearing breakdowns and heavy music. But it's just like, well, but if you've never heard heavy music and it's the first time you're hearing that, you probably think it's the fucking heaviest shit ever. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah, this is meant uh, a PG-13 horror movie means you're really hoping 13-year-olds show up, Uh, 13-year-olds, they're not going to have that much experience with horror movies. So, yeah, you can can lean on the creepy strings, hit the piano, uh, make a real loud uh, sound effect for every single scare. Like, you can do all that because you know your audience. Uh, But it, it then upon critique is not going to look great but yeah. that's n- not really what you're worried about here it's it's more about making the money to fund better more original stuff this is meant to be i think a mcdonald's hamburger like this is not totally. meant to be like a high high dollar burger this is meant to be a mcdonald's hamburger yeah and yeah exactly it's fine it's the kind of movie that you know, wasn't made for us, but it funded movies that are made for us. So it's like, thanks. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad it exists. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for that, way to go. Um, another piece of soundtrack stuff I want to talk about here is, uh, yeah, the really iconic thing that everybody remembers from this movie, which is Tiptoe Through the Tulips, which is one of those deals where I've not seen the sequels. I don't know if this is maybe one of those things that gets explained later on or whatever as for the significance of that song. Obviously, we have little fucking, you know, dancing boy dancing to it. We also have that song playing while the lipstick demon is sharpening his claws and stuff like this. But we never really find out why is that the song? Why are we listening to this? And here's the problem that I have with this, too. And again, this just lets me know that these are all things that they just reached for because they're scary. It's just like, you know what's scary? Uh, a, a seance with a woman wearing a gas mask. Why? I don't know. Because it's scary. Just go with it. Uh, we got a, a woman in black. She's a woman wearing grieving clothes. What's your grieving? Doesn't matter. It's scary. Put it in the movie. Tiptoe through the tulips. Tiny Tim singing this song. It sounds really spooky. It's an old-timey song. You got this guy singing this weird falsetto voice. Also, if you've ever seen Tiny Tim, guy looked super creepy and stuff, too. Here's the thing that I don't get, though. And again, this is just the kind of thing that shows me how much thought went into some of these decisions. So the little dancing boy listening to that looks like he's like a fucking, what, 1920s, 1930s right, yeah. little kid, he's, right? Mm-hmm. Tiny Tim didn't record that song until the late 1960s. Tiptoe right. Through the Tulips was <laughs> an old song, of course, that could have been around back then, but the Tiny Tim version was recorded in the late 60s. Like, 
this kid didn't hear that song. <laughs> so why? <laughs> it's complete. It's point. several decades late. It would be like a ghost listening to fucking WAP whenever it, you know, haunts somebody's that house or something. Aw- I also want to see that edit. Yeah, that the ghost edit. Just dancing to wet ass pussy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, so I'm it's just annoying. That. It's like they put it in the movie because, yeah, it sounds creepy, but it makes yeah. no sense because it's no, not right. from the era of that ghost. So why? Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, it uh, it is. Um, it It's really trying to stand in for the fear. It's trying to make the fear. So, yeah, yeah it, it's forcing it in a way that doesn't even fit the logic of the, the movie. But yeah, if you're if you're not picking those things apart and you don't have the experience with all the other movies, you're just, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get that that feeling of of creepiness and and that vibe will stick with you. And of course, it does the thing of as you said, having a ghost in a scene without drawing attention to it. That's the type of thing that makes you go home and be like everything you see out of the corner of your eye. Like, was that a ghost? Like. All of these things are aimed at that teenage uh, first timer. Yeah, that teenage fear center that hasn't been exploited yet. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it it's um, it's not doing it great, but uh, it's it's doing it adequately. It's introducing a lot of the tropes. It's um, you know, it, it's like the almost maybe like the coloring book version of star wars <laughs> remember like in the 80s <laughs> you'd get a coloring book and it would like tell the story of the movie but it would just tell it in like you know one picture but also the picture everybody's happy in it and it's like that i don't remember everybody being happy at any point <laughs> in star wars no not really yeah. <laughs> yeah so this is just like the squeaky shiny like coloring book version of of what can be really great horror and what could be, but that's not, that's really not what they set out to make. Not that they set out to make a bad movie. They set out to make a a good enough movie that would hit the right way with a teenage audience. And it, and it worked. It did. It did exactly that. Well, again, to keep drawing like the, the comparisons with like, you know, heavy music and stuff like that, it really reminds me of so many times, you know, in my time as a teacher where I'll have some kids show up with a, whatever, Avenged Sevenfold record or a Black Veil Brides record or whatever where they're like, oh man, they got this like guitar harmony. They're playing this part and they're harmonizing together. Isn't that sick? And I'm like, well, yeah, it was sick when Iron Maiden did that like 40 years ago. And they're like, who's Iron Maiden? Like, I've never heard that. And, and it's you like, call oh, the kid that's, a poser that's why you, you think make this him cool. leave. Yeah, exactly. Obviously. <laughs> Duh. Oh, I take his money. Then I'm not going to teach you a lesson because you don't know yet. You don't Wait, know. What? I can't teach you because you don't know. Give me the money. <laughs> Get the fuck out. But it kind of reminds me of that, where it's like, I would get mad at people for not being exposed to that stuff when it's just like, oh yeah, you're a very young person. Of course you haven't heard that before. Of course you haven't heard screechy strings in a movie. Of course you haven't seen a, you know, a a ghost dance into a spooky old vaudeville song. I've seen that stuff my whole life, kid. I've been around the block. Around the block. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it it really is. There's not much more to investigate about this movie, honestly. The if you watch the sequels, I would say they're all in the same vein. As I'll put this. it this way: even though I, I've definitely expressed that I don't like this movie, yeah, I would watch the sequels. I wouldn't like kick and scream and be like, "No, no, you cannot! I refuse to watch these." Like I would watch them. I probably won't really love them or anything, but. 
Yeah, I'd check them out, I guess. You know, it's, it sounds like they're mostly about the backstory of a lot of these characters and stuff. Yes. So whatever. Yeah. The the second... Okay, so technically they go, like, in timeline order, it's chapter three, then the uh, last keys or whatever. I don't know, which was the fourth one, then one, then two. And in oh. two, there's also some time travel bits. Hmm. A little so, timey-wimey, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, they're not great, but they're, that, that's exactly it. They are in the same exact vein as this, and I couldn't, like, I couldn't say one is, is much worse than this. Like, they're all on the same level. So, if you like this movie, check out the sequels, because they're, they're there. I mean, they, they, they really hit the same, uh, tropes and things that this hit they continue the story which is interesting i mean the the further uh the the demons finding out more about all that stuff that's all interesting so yeah definitely worth it checking out if they're on somewhere probably not worth seeking out word yeah i will tell you though i mean considering that this honestly does feel like a happy meal as a horror movie like this is very much meant to be the tropes of a burger menu all in one you know convenient package for a kid to enjoy and get into um, it'll fill you up with that being in mind i'm also glad and appreciative and somewhat shocked that they went with as dark of an ending as they did yes not a happy ending in this movie no not at all i like that, that about it that is also uh, that's part of the hook for setting up a sequel like knowing totally, like yeah. this could be our franchise if we can you know keep it going and i imagine most people i know when i watched it i was like well i want to see the second one so i i did and then after seeing the second one i was like well i'd watch the third one it really is just like slowly convincing yourself to watch the next one and just being like okay and then watching it and being like all right i i'll watch the next one i guess like it's it's not a bad thing it's just like eating four Happy Meals in a row. <laughs> like you're, you're not getting much out of it, but it's uh, it'll fill you up. It's definitely it'll scratch that horror itch in a way where I've I've watched a lot worse horror movies to scratch the horror itch. Oh so, yeah. Uh, you know I, I'm not mad at it, but it, it's not great. So, um, you want to get to rating this thing? Why don't we go ahead and just slap ourselves a number? Let's go ahead and equate some person and all of their <laughs> group's hard work. Let's just reduce it all down to a to number, a number. Yeah. that's entirely based on my opinion. Yeah, entirely based on, on the opinion we have based on the little information we have and seeing the movie. So That's fair. That's totally that's fair. That's pretty fair. <laughs> all right, Steve, what you going to rate this thing on a number scale? Okay, so... Just looking at the the film as is and, um, you know, recognizing that horror tropes are horror tropes for a reason. They they do um, have an effect on, on the average human. After you have seen it enough times, it stops having an effect or you know that there's a better way to do it. So when you see it done in an inferior way, it just doesn't work. So... This just isn't for seasoned horror fans, but it does it does scratch a, a good horror itch. It's got its moments, um, and I think it it is a good introductory into horror. And I'm glad it, it has done that for a new generation of people. 
so i appreciate it for that but i mean just last week i gave uh, amityville like what a six and a half i think so uh th this is is not there it's not as original as say my middle of the road movie autopsy of jane doe yeah yeah yep. so uh i think this is probably like a four to a four and a half and if that sounds harsh i apologize but it it really it doesn't bring anything new or original to the genre yeah totally which a, a movie doesn't have to but when you're when you're relying on so many tropes like you got to give us some twist on it right yeah exactly and it's especially one of those deals where it doesn't bring anything new to the table for jaded horror veterans right right you know? yeah yes if you've been watching a lot of horror movies and you've seen stuff from over the past you know i don't know 40 50 years something like that you're not going to be really seeing anything new in this movie other than new faces and new actors and, and actresses um honestly this is kind of like somebody asking me to re review a disturbed album where it's just right. like <laughs> was the production good yeah were the tones were okay did the guys on the record play good they played fine. Like they played the songs on that record fine. Ooh ah 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 ah. Whatever. <laughs> Was it anything new that you ever heard? No. I've heard all of this stuff before. Do you think that young people that never listen to heavy music would like it? Yeah, totally. And it would maybe get them into new things. Uh another thing I would equate this to is a Waffle House steak. This is like <laughs> ordering a steak from Waffle House, Steve. <laughs> yeah, bad call is what that is. It's just a bad call, but at the same time, you leave that meal going, I can't I'm believe full. they made yeah. that for as cheap as they did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the technical feats of this movie and the production schedule and all that stuff are insane. I mean, if you gave me a million dollars in three weeks to make this movie, what I the couldn't fuck? figure I couldn't even begin to, yeah. You know, so I, I, it is impressive on that level. And like I said, I love that it has been a gateway horror movie to a lot of young people, you know? I think we're just entirely a whole generation too late to enjoy this, and I don't think that it was made for us. Right. You know? So, you know, even though it has its merits, for me watching it, uh, in terms of my level of enjoyment and what I got out of it, you know, I, I'm not really in any rush to watch this again. It's serviceable. It's entirely serviceable. I've seen way worse movies I think for me personally, it's probably like a two and a half just due to lack of originality and me caring about the characters and stuff. Like, I don't really care, but it's fine. But again, that's yeah. it's like me no, re reviewing a Disturbed album, uh, which sold more copies than anything I'll ever have my name on in music. So, right. What do you know? Yeah. What do I know? You know? Yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's aimed at an audience for a particular purpose, and if you if we were to judge it for that particular purpose, it's like a ten. Obviously, it went from a one point five million dollar budget to almost a hundred million dollars. That's exactly what they wanted it to do. <laughs> like, yeah, totally, yeah, mission accomplished. Fuck, yeah. All right, Steve. Next week on the show, we are going to be covering a historic horror heavy <gasps> hitter from hell and this is Whoa. one that we just drew well i say we it was you just drew yeah, out of is. the smoking bowl of patreon submissions uh -huh. of movies that we could one day cover on the podcast if we draw them out of the smoking bowl it's so succinctly named <laughs> steve how can people get access to that smoking bowl and get a vote in for a movie of their choosing 
uh, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. You head on Ooh. over there. Uh, yeah, become a patron at any level. You get access to our, uh, uh, what you call Nudes. Mini- yeah, our dick nudes, pics, our dick butthole pics, photos. As, but, uh, a lot of those over there. But as mm-hmm. well, they're also Patreon-exclusive uh, episodes where we talk about other horror stuff, horror anthologies. We also did recently, um, uh, what's Host. that called? Host on Shutter, which is less than an hour, so we figured we wouldn't do a full episode on it. Still anyway, counts. head over there, become a $5 patron, and you get to submit a movie title to go into the smoking bowl one gets randomly drawn each month and we cover that movie this month we pulled out rosemary's baby which was submitted by jen luke so we're going to be talking about rosemary's baby next week oh yeah that's going to be a rip roaring thrill ride because that's an awesome movie directed by a not good person. Not good man, yeah. So nope, nope, we'll have nope. stuff to say about him for sure. Uh, but also the movie. I mean, it, it speaks it, for itself. It's fucking great. Yeah, there's so much to talk about there. So I, I'm excited to get into that. Yeah, me too. I think that'll be a great way to kind of usher in the October Halloween season and stuff too, because that'll be coming up here at towards the end of September. We're rolling into October. We're getting super spooky. I think it'll be a good one to kick fangs off. So you guys be sure to tune in next week. In the meantime, if you want to make us happy and do something that don't even cost a dollar, it don't even cost a penny. It don't cost nothing. Go on Apple podcast, rate and review this podcast. I've seen a few (gasps) reviews pop up recently. I like them. I like them. Give me that five stars. Drop five stores on this show if you want to help us out. Really does. Just takes a second of your time. Doesn't cost you a dime. So really, really, like if you want to help us, that really does help. Also show up in the search engines, all that kind of shit. So yeah, go in there, rate and review the show, and tune in next week. We'll be talking about Rosemary's Baby, and follow us on Instagram and stuff too. Yeah, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Dead Lovely Pod. We're on uh, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Dead and Lovely. We also do the the Friday night streaming chat, as I mentioned earlier. We did prom night last week. Uh, no idea what we'll do this week. I'll figure that out sometime in the next couple days. But it will be something most likely from the '80s and not great. It's a fun time. Yeah. We get drunk and we make fun of movies. That sounds like a pretty damn good time to me. So you guys be sure to drop in, hit us up online, tune in, all that kind of jazz. Be sure to wash your hands. And your ass. And I hope that you guys feel like a fancy horse. I really do hope that. Yeah, me too. I mean, what bliss. What bliss. What bliss. To live a life as a fancy horse, golly, if we could only all be so lucky. Yeah, yeah, it would be great. That's right. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. I've been Uncle Ben. I've been Hollywood Steve. Billy Jack, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Steve, I'm just saying, once again, the media is pulling this sleight-of-hand bullshit, putting Uh one issue in front of our faces to completely make us ignore and forget about the real topics that are at hand. You ready for this? What is it? So, you know, there's been all this hullabaloo going on recently in the news Mm -hmm. about this family out there on the West Coast having their gender reveal party. They revealed the gender with a big old pyrotechnic feat, and it burnt down tons and tons and tons of land, right? 
Uh, yeah, a whole lot of it, causing a, a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm, yeah, a little bit of a set, a little bit of an upset over there for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to put it. But the thing is, they just keep showing us the fars and the devastation right. to make us forget about the fact that that baby has a gender and a name, and we don't know what it is. And I got to know what you would be naming <gasps> that fire baby. Man, uh, fire baby, let's see. Hmm. In Fuego? Yeah, that's pretty solid. Yeah. I like that. Maybe. Khaleesi. Oh. <laughs> Khaleesi, there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hmm. Maybe something like flame, flame related. Uh, flam, flammel, flams. Flammel, yeah, flammel. flams. <laughs> These sound like fucking Pokemon. Yeah, flammel. I choose you. <laughs> I think personally, whether it's a boy or a girl, I would go with Sal for like salamander, since according ah. to legends, salamanders can live in the yeah. fire and stuff. Right, right, right. For either yeah. gender, it's adorable. You call them Sal for short. Mm-hmm. Come on, it's a win. And you know, Sal rhymes with pal. So mm-hmm, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's an obvious thing that kids are gonna be like, that's my friend because Sal rhymes with pal, and mm-hmm. I got a stupid kid brain. It's definitely easier to rhyme than Damien. It's true. <laughs> Damien the hmm. Damien rhymes with <laughs> Wait, he's just the, he's just the Samian, if you ask me. Oh, you know? Damien there more you like go. more of the Samian, am I right? More like huh? blaming because this guy's yeah. always pointing fingers. Well, I'd be blaming him for all the fires that his gender reveal started. Uh... <laughs> gender reveal parties are stupid. Just they stop. really are, especially because you're not revealing the gender, you're revealing the sex. Yeah, that's true, too. That's also true. But more than anything, I don't want to take an afternoon out of my life to find that out. I don't, yeah, just tell me <laughs> if you want. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll wait till the baby's born. It's not my baby. I don't care. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> 